everybody. How y'all doing? Man, you look good. You didn't really sound good there for a second, but I'm glad you're here. Hey, if it's your first time here today, my name's Craig, and my wife Patty and I get to pastor this amazing church, so thank you so much for allowing us to do that. And while you're smiling, some of you are smiling anyway, while you're smiling, do me a favor. Let's let that smile go right to our hands. Will you put your hands together and help me welcome everybody watching online, Facebook, YouTube, church online platform. Man, we miss you guys. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you actually saw a different video than what we saw in-house. How many remember that commercial? It shows your age all the way back. I want to be like Mike. Be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Mike. Kids have idolized sports fans forever. We started a new series last week called G League. And if you don't know what G League is, G League is the minor league of the NBA. So the G League are those guys that aren't good enough to play in the big leagues, but they think they are, you know? And so then you've got kids that idolize sports heroes all the time, and they do everything to be like Mike. If you don't know who Mike is, it is Magic Mike. Nope, wrong Mike. Mike, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. And we, we did things in my age group um, to be like Mike. We wanted to wear the shoes, and we knew, we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. You put on those new sneakers, and you've got to see how fast you can run now, right? Because every, every kid knows that new sneakers just make them run faster in their minds, in their minds. And they put on the, the right gear, and they think that if they act and mimic the way that that superstar acts, that they will perform at that level when it comes game time. And we all know, and we said this last week, the shoes and the jersey don't make how you play. I know that's bad grammar, but it don't make how you play in the game time. What makes it? Practice. You're, you're, not, you're never going to play like Michael Jordan. Why? Two reasons. Number one, you ain't Mike. And number two, you don't practice like Mike. The practice, what you do, you live your life. These sports heroes, they live their lives a certain way, Monday through Monday, that nobody sees. They live a way when nobody's watching so that they can play like nobody can believe they can play when everybody's watching, and it makes a difference. And as Christians, okay, so then you step into the Christian realm, and you look at Christianity, and we want to act like Jesus. You've heard me preach it several times. You just need to act like Jesus. You need to be like Jesus. Christian just means a little Christ. That's what it means, by the way, if you didn't know that. It just means a little Christ, and so you need to act like Jesus. What would Jesus do in all that stuff? And we do all of these things to mimic Jesus, but I think we've all realized over time, you show up for game day, and you're unable to perform like you think you should perform. What's game day? Game day is that confrontational conversation that you had this week, and what came out of your mouth did not match what was in Jesus' heart. Game day is reading that post on social media, and before you can process how Jesus would respond, you go ahead and respond out of what's in you because you haven't practiced anything different. Game day is when the world is falling apart and the wheels have fallen off the wagon and everybody wants you to be outraged like everybody else. What? That's game time. What comes out of your mouth? What's your action? Do you respond like Jesus would respond or do you just respond like you've always responded but you just mimic Jesus on the side? How are we doing this morning? Okay, so Jesus said that this way. Jesus says, listen, Following me, this Christian life, it's easy. It's 
simple. It is not a struggle. If it's a struggle, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says this, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I'll refresh your life, for I'm your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Okay, let me, let me just look, look at this. He's saying, listen, are you struggling? You're carrying a heavy burden? Or is it not going well? Then how do you fix it? You have to do join your life with his. And then what? And then what? A lot of us have gotten that far right there. We're following Jesus per se, but we've stopped reading. All right? But he says, no, join your life with mine. And then step two, learn. Practice, learn, practice my ways, and you'll discover I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You'll find after you've learned to practice my ways, after you've learned to genuinely walk like me and talk like me, you've disciplined yourself and you've practiced this stuff, then you will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. How is it possible that it's easy to bear? Because you've practiced it so much you can make difficult things look easy. Have you ever seen, I know you have, you've seen that, that little girl that's like this tall, she's, and she, she, they're like this, this tall, but they're probably like 32 years old, and she can do all these flips on a balance beam and stuff like that. Have you seen, have you seen these weird people, right? I, they, they do all these flips and all this crazy stuff, and they make it look so easy. You ever gotten on a balance beam? flip ain't even in your mind. You're just like, please don't fall. Please don't fall. Right? It's just because they make it look easy. Why? Because they practice it. The apostle Paul says it this way. First Timothy 4, 7, he says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Now, I know these are two, just two verses, one that Jesus said and one that Paul said about training and practicing and learning. And you might think to yourself, Craig, those are just two verses about training and practicing and disciplines. And there's really not a lot in the Bible about that. I think you're just making this stuff up. Okay. Um, you're right on one aspect, not that I'm making it up, but you're right in the aspect that there's not a lot of this in the New Testament. And you need to ask yourself, why? Or you, I ask myself, why? Well, if it's so important, why is it not so? Why is there not so many verses written about training and discipline and practicing the ways of Jesus? The reason is because it was so enfolded into the spiritual lives of that day and age that they didn't need to write about it and tell you to do it because everybody was literally doing disciplines and practices. So it didn't matter, like read some history books. Um, it doesn't matter if you were a Christian, a, a new Christian, if you were a Jew, if you were a Roman, if you were a follower of Pan or Molech or any of the other demigods and all these false gods during that day. They all practiced these spiritual disciplines because they knew that it was that. They knew that if, you're, if you wanted to get closer to something spiritual, you had to discipline the physical. They just, they knew that. And so they didn't need to write a about it just like we wouldn't. If you were writing a book today and you were going to tell somebody in the book, hey, when you wake up in the morning, I need you to go to the store and get a gallon of milk because they say it's going to snow. So obviously we all need milk. Okay. So you go to the store. You wouldn't write down, you wouldn't type in this book. You wouldn't say, go get in your car and use the car to drive to the store. No, we would say what? Hey, run to the store and get some milk. Do you see the difference? Because it's already wired into our culture and our mindset. I don't have to tell you to get into your car. 
That's just common sense. I don't have to write about it. And it was the same thing back in the day with the disciplines of spiritual faith. They didn't have to write about it. It was just part of their culture. But we need to learn a little more like that. Because you know where we are right now? We are, we are the exact opposite of disciplines and practices. Like some of you right now, you've already tuned out, opened up your phone. I don't need none of this. Why? Because we've already got in our mindset, starting in the 18th century, I'll spare you the history lesson, but we have moved all the way to the point of now we believe that pleasure is the litmus test for what's right. If, if it's pleasurable, if it's easygoing, if it's not a struggle, then that's what makes it right. And we even do, okay, I'm even guilty of this in church world. You ready for this? Here's my confession in the name of Jesus. I've done this before. I'll ask you, some of you, in fact, I'll probably do it again today because it's just part of my language, but I'm trying to get away from that. If you're new today, today's your first day, and I meet you in the lobby, I want to meet you, but I want to meet you. Anyway, here in the lobby, I'll say, hey, did you enjoy service? And we've gotten in the mindset that if we enjoyed it, then it was productive. Are, are y'all tracking with me? If, if, it's, if I enjoyed it, in other words, if it scratched my itch, if it made me feel good, then it was productive and useful. Now, I'm not saying starting today we're going to make church service at South Point the most miserable thing you've ever experienced in your life. You're going to come in here and hate every second of it, and the more you hate it, the more holy and godly it will be. God bless his holy name. No, that's not what I'm saying. I want it to be enjoyable, right? Doesn't everybody want church to be enjoyable? And I think it should be enjoyable. But listen, whether it's enjoyable or not does not mean whether it's productive or not. Okay, so the early church was all about disciplines. If you want to read a fancy little book, there's a guy named Eusebius. He lived in the late 200s, and he wrote a book called The History of the Church Between Christ and Constantine. It's a fun read, real light read. But in there, you're going to discover that disciplines of the spiritual faith were, I mean, it was what they did. It's how they endured the crisis, the famines, and the military overthrowing of country after country because there was a group of Christians that were practiced and disciplined. And you might say, Craig, why don't you talk more about politics or why don't you talk about what's happened in our country this week? Like we reset, right? 2021 is supposed to be good. <laughs> Problem is, somebody in 2020 said, well, it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> Wrong, right? So why don't you preach on that stuff, Craig? Why don't I preach on that stuff? Because I think it's more important that we learn how to discipline and practice ourselves to be followers of Jesus Christ so when the world does fall apart, they know who's acting like Jesus Christ and they know who to follow. And if we always act like everybody else and respond like everybody else, can I tell you something? We're not different than anybody else. And like I said last week, we are supposed to be a peculiar people. And somehow we have lost the fruits of the spirit of goodness, kindness, and gentleness. I'm really glad that chair was there. I didn't even think about that. I just sat down. <laughs> Katie, thank you for putting that right there. <laughs> we, that could have been really bad. We've lost the fruit of goodness, gentleness, and kindness. 
Wouldn't that be different? Wouldn't that be crazy if a group of people just started being gentle again and kind again and good again? You don't just step into that. You practice that. You discipline that. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so, so since disciplines are part of your Christian faith, whether you like it or not, all right, let's learn some stuff about disciplines. You ready? Let's get learnt. Different than turnt. Let's get learnt. I'm not sure what turnt means. Young people will probably tell me after this, Pastor Craig, don't ever say turnt again. So let me get all my turnts out right now. We're not going to get turnt. We're going to get learnt. So today I recommend you get a binder in the lobby, fill in the blanks, get learnt. Let's get learnt together. You ready? Not turned, learned. All right, so here's, there's two kinds of disciplines. Fill in the blank. There's a discipline of absten, abstinence. Disciplines of abstinence. And they are, th these are not all of them. This is just some examples so you get an idea. Fasting, silence, solitude, frugality, chastity, secrecy, sacrifice. Notice that all of these disciplines are something that we're refraining from. We're stepping back and saying, I'm not going to do that for a reason because I'm going to get my flesh in order. Okay? And... Okay? Y'all get quiet when you're getting learnt. Okay, okay. Disciplines of engagement. This is the second. These are ones you lean into. So you study, you worship. And let me just say, like worship, for example, all of these, sometimes you come in, you're like, well, I just didn't like that worship set. The difference is, if once you become a follower of Jesus Christ and get into the disciplines, it doesn't matter whether you like the worship set or not. It's a discipline, and you worship whether you like it or not because it's something we do as followers of Jesus Christ. When we have the opportunity to come together, we are going to corporately worship him because we recognize that whether we feel like it or not, it does something in us that brings change. How am I doing so far this morning? Study, worship, celebration, serving, prayer, fellowship. Again, like these are disciplines and habits. Fellowship, coming together as a corporate body. I understand that there's people watching online and for one reason or the other, you feel uncomfortable coming. Totally cool, I get that, but don't get out of the habit of fellowship. Don't get out of the habit, it is a discipline. Well, I didn't feel like getting up early this morning. Who asked you if you felt like it? Did you think I felt like setting my alarm for 5.30 this morning? No. <laughs> Do you think I was in the shower going, this is going to be the greatest day ever? Honestly, what was in my mind was, Lord, can we survive another Sunday? Right? Sometimes we just go, we, we look at our feelings, but that's what disciplines fix and correct. Okay. Somebody say, good preaching, Pastor. All right. Thank you. Fellowship, confession, submission. Okay, so, so these are all these, these, are all these um, different disciplines. So today, let's take the rest of our time to talk about fasting, because fasting is a discipline that's in the list, and whether you realize it or not, today starts our corporate fast at South Point. Woo! <laughs> I know. You might not want to do it. That's why it's called a D -d discipline. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's not a delight. It's a discipline. Okay, so here, here's the definition of fasting. Fasting is abstaining from all food or partial food for a spiritual purpose. Let me read that again, and then you can fill in the blank. Abstain fasting is abstaining from all, all what? Come on, let's say it a little bit better, because this all plays into this thing in just a second. Ab abstaining from all food or partial food 
food for a spiritual purpose. Notice you don't see media or social media or people you don't like. Do you, you see that? What, what is a fast? It's abstaining from food or partial food. Okay, okay, okay. Fasting is the one discipline out of all the lists and all the different disciplines. I think fasting is the one discipline that will reveal the most to you about yourself in the shortest amount of time. It will reveal the most about yourself. You will become so self-aware of things in you. You will realize real quick, we're only fasting seven days, but watch. If you fast in these seven days, you will discover how much your eating of food brings peace to your life. You get angry, you get upset. If I could just have a bag of chips, right? We, you're going to realize how quickly your soul gets crinkly, if you will. That's better than crotchety, right? Some of you don't like the word crotchety, so I'll just say crotchety one more time. It gets you crinkly, all right? You get, you get upset. Food brings peace to your soul, and food is not supposed to be the peace bringer. You're also going to discover in a very short amount of time how much we use food to cover up the negative stuff that's in our lives. You get mad at work, you come home, and it's just one gallon of ice cream. You, you eat, something goes wrong, you're a little bit crinkly in your soul, and so we cover it up with food. All right, you're going to learn the mo I'm just telling you, when you fast this week, you will learn the most about yourself in the shortest amount of time. Fasting is a powerful, powerful discipline. All right, so let me, can I break it down for you? Let me break it down for you, whether you want me to or not. Here we go. We're going to break down fasting. What, what is it? How do we do it? How does this work? Fasting, fill in the blank, fasting resets our lives. Fasting resets our lives. Um, the church I grew up in, my pastor at that time, at one of the times, had a few pastors, um, he was a hardcore preacher against any forms of drinking alcohol, okay? I mean, just like, if you even walk past a liquor store, you had to repent twice, right? Three times if you go in, four, you're going to hell, right? It's just, that, that was his mindset. It was a hardcore preaching, okay? However, this wonderful pastor was, and I'm not kidding, was at least 200 pounds overweight. Okay, now just hold on. Y'all just looking at me? Just smile here. Okay, see, sometimes we like to pick the thing to preach against that we have no problem with and ignore the thing that we struggle with. Nine out of ten times, and that's not an exaggeration, 90% of the time, um, there's just only like a couple verses where they're separate. Almost every single time in the Bible where you see don't get drunk, you, it's paired with gluttony. Okay? So here's the deal. What are, you, what are you trying to say, Pastor Craig? Here's what I'm trying to say. I think Hippocrates says it best. Everything in excess is opposed by nature. Everything in excess. So even the eating thing in excess no, that's not, it's not good. We need to bring it back. We need to bring it back. And you're going to discover how quickly you slip back in. Like we fasted last year. If, if you were here, if, if you're new, you don't remember that because you weren't here. But we fasted last year. How quick did we slip back into food is what we're ruled by? <laughs> Come on, anybody? Am I the only one admitting it? I, after the fast, you, you dangle a, a rack of ribs in front of me, girl, it's home, like popcorn. You know what I mean? I'm all over that. I love it. We slip back into being led by our stomachs very, very quickly. And we say, oh, and here's what I need us to say. I need you to realize when you're fasting, you need to turn your hunger pains into spiritual hunger pains. 
King David said this. He was fasting. There was a time in David's life where things weren't going well. He had a lot of those. And he was fasting and praying. And while he was fasting, he wrote Psalm 42. And he said this. So I want you to understand this. From a mindset and a stature of fasting, David said, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, watch this, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? I want you to understand what David did. And this, I do this, and I'm just telling you, this, this is so helpful. When you're fasting and you get hungry, and by the way, if you don't get hungry, you're doing it wrong. Hunger is supposed to be part of fasting. If you just stop eating solid food, but you've switched to 12 protein shakes a day, I just, I was hungry, so I drank a shake. Okay, um, it's not fasting. <laughs> Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. When you have a hunger pain, say this out of your mind. Make it your prayer. God, as hungry as I am in the physical right now, I am that hungry and more for your presence and your spirit. I'm drowning in my own tears. I need your presence and your spirit in my family, in my relationships. I need your presence and your spirit in my country. Come on, somebody. I need a little bit more of God. So I'm willing to be hungry if for no other reason to give myself an example of how hungry my spirit is for you. Say it out of your mouth. Make it your prayer. Make it part of you. Let those hunger pains be switched to spiritual hunger pains. Does that, does that make sense? Today's just super practical about fasting. There's so many questions about fasting. Here's the second thing. Fasting is not just about recalibrating your life. The second thing is fasting makes the impossible possible. Fasting makes the impossible possible. There's a story in the book of Mark. There's the second biography of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, in Mark. And Jesus and his triad, his trifecta, his homeboys, Peter, James, and John. Peter, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they go up on this mountaintop. We call it now the Mount of Transfiguration. It's where Moses and Elijah appear. You can read all that later. Okay, so while they're up there, Jesus and his three homeboys, who does he leave down at the bottom of the mountain? The other guys, right? The minor prophets, if you will, right? So led by Doubting Thomas and Traitor Judas, right? What a group, right? So they're down there, and they're, this guy brings his sick son to the, the minor disciples and says, hey, heal him. He's having these epileptic seizures. He, he's hurting himself and falling in the fire and all this stuff. So, and the disciples pray for him, and they can't do it, and there's a struggle, and then they start arguing. Okay, okay, and then Jesus and his homeboys come down the mountain, and you know they got like thunderstruck theme music going on, you know, wind blowing Jesus' hair. He just comes in like a flood, right? Just walk. <laughs> in with all that power and they're like Jesus Jesus over here we got a sick kid Jesus comes over he's like what's the problem and they're like he keeps falling on the ground we prayed for him but didn't do no good your turn so Jesus prays for him boom kids healed okay cool and they're like wow all right now later on that day because nobody asks in front of other people they want to do it privately the disciples pull Jesus aside and say hey why didn't it work for us watch this Mark chapter 9 verse 28 and when he had come into the house, his disciples, that's Jesus, when Jesus had come into the house, his disciples, and this is the minor disciples, this is not Peter, James, and John, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? 
Now check this out. Why could we not cast it out? Because we mimicked everything you had taught us before. We prayed for him like you used to pray for people. We've acted like you acted. We laid hands on him like we've seen you lay hands on him. We have mimicked you. It was game day for us, and we mimicked you. But we didn't perform like you. And Jesus says, because this kind only comes out by practice. This kind only comes out by nothing but two disciplines that you have to have in your life, practicing them regularly, and it's fasting and prayer. Prayer and fasting, these disciplines in our life, make the impossible possible. What, what, what is that thing you're still holding on to? And by holding on to it, I mean you're trying to get rid of it, but it's still that unanswered prayer that's been in your life probably for years. It's that thing that you've been trying to fix. What is the one thing that you were had in 2020, you prayed about and everything, and you're still stuck with it in 2021? In fact, you did everything right, right? You're still doing everything right. You're, you're partaking of the disciplines of the leaning in disciplines of the study, the worship, you study your word, you worship, you pray, you're doing all of these things that you still have it because you haven't practiced the disciplines of abstinence in some certain areas. What do you still have that is vexing you like nothing else? And I'm not talking about your spouse, okay? What else do you have that you need to get rid of, that you need Jesus to do something about? What about fasting and prayer? Some of these things only come out, some of these things only get fixed by fasting and prayer. I highly recommend, in your message notes right there, just write it down. Write something down. Or after, at the close of service, write it on a piece of paper and stick it to the cross. Because let me, let me tell you this. Some of you are sitting here in this room or watching online right now because somebody fasted and prayed for you last year. Somebody fasted and prayed for you and put your name on the cross. And here you are today and you don't even realize it. Just imagine the power of fasting and prayer. What do you need to either bring into your life or get out of your life? Last year, and, and they're sitting right here. I'm, I'm gonna call. I never ever do this, but I'm gonna call them out. And yeah, so Lisa, several several years ago, was fasting and praying, and she was praying for a husband. Mm -hmm. Be careful what you fast for. You, you better be careful. You better be careful. She fasted and prayed for a husband. The last day of the fast, this guy named Gary shows up just to church, just randomly. And and think about this. At the end of the prayer, at the end of the fast, Lisa's still thinking that her prayer has not been answered. We're going to talk about that. That's the next point. Because she didn't see anything even though he already showed up. And now they're married. They've been married for several, several years. And they're still smiling. They still actually like each other. They're even sitting next to each other, believe it or not. That's amazing. Fasting and prayer will blow your mind. What are you fasting and praying about? Write it down on your notes. Okay, so here's the third one, third and final one. You ready? You ready? You ready? I'm doing the best I can. Y'all just hang with me, all right? Try to stay awake. Here's the third one. Fasting undelays the answer to our prayer. Fasting undelays the answer to our prayer. I'm going to read you this scripture. It's a little bit long, so hang with me. Um, and then I'm going to explain it. Daniel chapter 10, verses 2, starting at verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. 
I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the Green River, Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen. He had this gold belt. He was an angel. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. Now check this out. This is what we don't see happening. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what has happened to your people in the latter days. All right, let me break it down like this. And this is what we don't see a lot of times. You pray something and God sends answers to your prayer, but there are wars in the heavenlies, whether you like to admit it or not, there is a spiritual warfare going on right now. There's a spiritual warfare going on right now for your attitude and your soul. Going on right now, right now. And, fat, and Daniel did, prayed and did not see anything. He started fasting, and his fasting empowered the unseen angels to act on his behalf. When you fast and pray, you are empowering unseen beings to operate in your behalf. Let that sink in for a second. That's kind of the deep end of the pool, but let that sink in for a second. When you fast and pray, you might not see it, but you are empowering unseen beings to operate on your behalf. Okay, so if fasting does all that, okay, this is real practical. Now, if fasting um, helps recalibrate our lives, it helps it reset. If, if fasting does these things where it moves in our hearts and changes it, makes the impossible possible, and it undelays this prayer, then how do we do it? All right, here's some quick, if you've never fasted before, here are some quick, 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 write them down, examples and helps. All right, this is like the super, super, califragilistic, espialidocious practicality. There's fasting types. The first one is a complete fast. That's where you fast everything, all right? Um, an ex uh, one underneath this would be an Esther fast, or also the Apostle Paul did this in the book of Acts. He fasted for three days with no food and no water. That's, that's a tough one. That, that's a really tough one, okay? Um, if you've never fasted before, I would not recommend that one. All right, <laughs> just saying. Um, but a complete fast is where you're fasting all food. Another one is water only. So the complete fast, just compare a complete fast, you can fast no food, but then you can also drink like some, some juices or... Um, some broths, you know, so, something like that, okay? Um, not just water, but then there's a water-only fast, which obviously, by the name, you would only intake water. Um, there's the Daniel fast that we talked about just a minute ago. That was 21 days, meats, sweets, breads, and alcohol, okay? Those are the things that you fast. Um, then there's a sun-up to sundown fast. And if you, if you work a very strenuous job where you're burning a lot of calories, um, I know some people have some, just some, some tough jobs. You just work hard. I kind of recommend this one because you're just not eating during the day while the sun is up, but your body um, still needs calories to burn because your job is just a, it's a strenuous job. That's just, that's real life, all right? But you're putting forth that effort. And there's other variations, okay? And you can ask somebody about those or ask me about those. Um, but I am, I am recommending, I am asking. I, it's not a cult, so I can't demand. Um, <laughs> but I really want all South Pointers to fast. Fast, lean into this and fast. There are just over 1,600 family units that call South Point home, okay? Think about this for a second. What if over 1,600 family units fasted and prayed for something? 
I think we could change the world. I, I really, really do. I want all of us to fast whatever is, and, I know, I, and I've heard this, and so hear my heart. This is going to sound really harsh. Um, I've heard people say, well, I can't fast. I'm a diabetic, okay? Or I can't fast. I have low blood sugar. Okay, okay. Get a doctor's um, help with that, but let me say this. The Daniel fast is perfect, right? That's what you should be eating anyway if you're a diabetic. Just, just want you to know in case you wanted to ask somebody. Just you can live on a Daniel fast. See, a lot of times we just use, just like my pastor from old days, um, we use a lot of things as an excuse to just cover up something we don't want to correct. Can I, can I say that again? A lot of times we use certain things as an excuse just to cover up something we don't want to do, we don't want to correct. Because fasting is not a delight, it's difficult. It's a discipline. I would just rather not do that. I know, oh, I'm a diabetic, okay? Get a doctor's help, but I'm telling you, Daniel fasts are pretty good. And then, last but not least, and these are not fill in the blank, these are just in your notes. I said this earlier about fasting is food. Fasting is voluntarily laying down, down food for spiritual purposes. It is not social media. Just fasting social media is not a biblical fast, okay? Um, should you fast social media? In my opinion, absolutely. Social media, media, Netflix, Hulu, Roku, anything else, because here's what those things are. All of those things are competing voices for the voice of God. And we wonder why we don't hear God speak to us. It's because we're too busy entertaining our brains with other things to take time to actually listen to him. Say, but Craig, if I take away all those things, I'm going to be bored. You will be bored. And guess what? When you're bored really quick, you'll realize how much you've been entertaining your brain rather than training your brain. We're so quickly entertained. What if we actually had a sober mindset and trained our brains to hear from the Lord and then play the game when it's game time? I know, funnest message ever, right? We start our fast today. I know you're excited. If you already ate breakfast, good for you. Start now. That, that's it. Just start now. If you fall off the wagon halfway through, you, you sleepwalk and you wake up and your face is in a pile of nachos in the kitchen. It's okay. Swallow what's in your mouth. Don't choke. And then just start again. Get back on the wagon, okay? This is, God's not condemning any of us for any of this. This is a discipline that we're just practicing. Does that, does that make sense? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you and I thank you. I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity to practice your ways, to learn your ways, to train up our souls, to train up our lives, practice and discipline so that we can be more like you because our country, our city, our state needs more people like you. So Father, I just ask that you help every single one of us today, that you speak to our hearts, you help us become more like you, you help us, give us the strength and the tenacity to lean into fasting and to try this discipline. And Father, I just ask that you do what I know you're gonna do, but I'm gonna pray it anyway. Lord, that as we fast, as we pray, Lord, that you speak into our hearts and our lives and you do amazing things in our lives. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you need to write somebody's name down, you can. there's pieces of paper and pens over here and you can put those on the cross. There'll also be some people down front on both sides that if you want someone to pray for you, they will be here for you to do that. All right, stand with me if you will.
And while you're standing, I hope to see you tomorrow from 5 to 7 or anytime during that for the prayer um, right here. And uh, that'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then Saturday morning prayer at 9. You say, well, I've never done that before. How about we all try something different and see if we can get some different results in 2021? How about that, huh? How about that? How about that? How about that? And then don't forget to get your tickets for the night of worship. There are only a few seats left, so you need to do that if you're, if you're going to do that. All right, let me pray the benediction. We will get out of here. Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask that the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, Lord, they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tomorrow.